Would you remain standing, please, for the gospel, which comes this morning from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 34. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated. It's good to be with you all here this morning as we're continuing our journey through the greatest sermon ever told, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, In this sermon, Jesus gives us a picture of how he expects his followers to live and practice their faith both as individuals and also as a community of faith. And so over the past few weeks, we've read the words in this sermon uh, where Jesus shows us the marks or the characteristics of what it means to be a Christian or a follower of him. He has shown us how we are to be identified by our faith, how we're to model Christian righteousness in the way we live, and in our previous scriptures in this series, we've also read how Jesus contrasts the actions and, and way of worship of his followers with the Pharisees and the legal experts. In doing so, what he does is he points out the inaccuracies on how the Pharisees and legal experts were practicing their faith with the motivation being to be seen by others rather than practicing their faith to be seen by God. In this morning's scripture, there's a little shift in Jesus' teaching. This shift is a shift in focus. As Jesus begins to compare the, uh, the actions of those that follow him and contrast them not with the Pharisees and legal experts anymore, but now he's contrasting them with the Gentiles and those that are not of the Jewish faith. Up until this point in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has has focused on, on how his followers are to live distinctly and uniquely within the religious world. And so his focus has been for his followers to look at the condition of their hearts and to think about them as they respond and as they offer their worship to God as they are also looking and seeing how the Pharisees and others are living their life in such a way that Jesus is saying, that's not how you're supposed to do it. And so today what Jesus is doing is he's shifting his focus out of the religious sphere. 
And he's taking his focus of what it means to be a follower of him into all of the other spheres of our life. His followers are to be different. Which means they had to be different both from the church that they were part of, that had gotten routine in the way that they were offering worship and, and had gotten to where you know they were just going through the motions. Where he's also saying we also, the church also has to be different from the culture. Wait, the, the tension that they experienced is no different from the culture that we, the, the tension that you and I experience by trying to live in the culture today. Things may be a little different because of technology and other things like that, but really it's the same tension if you think about it. Because the temptation that you face is the exact same temptation that the ancient Christian community faced, including the followers of Jesus, including the followers that we read about in the book of Acts, as well as all of the other New Testament churches. And so the temptation that what Jesus is addressing is the same temptation that we face, which is to live our lives in a compartmentalized fashion. And so I think the circles are just kind of helpful for us to, to visualize how we might compartmentalize our lives. And so what I mean by that is we, we break things apart and we segment life into different spheres. And when you're in that sphere... We try and live in that sphere as much as possible while maintaining a boundary or a separation from that aspect or sphere from the other spheres. So this means when you're you know, religious, you're all religious. Or when you're workplace, everything you're doing is about your workplace. Or when you're at the gym, well, that's not, anyway. Um, you know, everything you're doing is about the gym. Or, you know, interaction with strangers or interaction with your friends, of course, is different from, your str- from strangers as well as family, everything else. You get what I'm saying. Sometimes we're successful in keeping our sphere separate. At other times, we run into difficulty when we try and engage and live fully in every sphere without having any of them overlap. Here's the thing, that's pretty much impossible, isn't it? It's impossible for us to live in every sphere as an independent sphere without them having them overlap at some point or in some way. You may be able to pull it off for a while, but at some point the distances or the gaps between the circles start to get smaller and they start to narrow. And as the gap starts to narrow, maybe you have to work harder in keeping things separate or the boundaries become less distinct until you reach a point where you're unable to keep everything apart. And to use the language of Jesus and Matthew, he says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. And, and I know what he's talking about priorities and how we're to be disciples and good stewards of the resources we're given, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But I think we can also look at this scripture where he says, you cannot serve multiple masters. You cannot serve two masters. And we can consider how that affects us in the way that we choose to live our lives. And you're the only one who can answer this for yourself. How do I compartmentalize my life? What spheres do I have in my life that I try to live into each day? Um, How do I keep them apart? Why do I keep them apart? And how can God keep me? How how can God help me to bring them together in a good way? See, friends, what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples is that God wants all of us when it comes to following Him. 
And so when Jesus is saying you can't serve multiple masters, what he's saying is you can't give God this, but then not give God all your time. You can't give God something else without devoting to him your energy. You can't give God your your worship without focusing and, and being invested in your relationship with him because he wants his focus, he wants our focus to be him and the lens through which we view every other thing that we do. Whether that's a relationship, whether that's our decisions, whether that's how we choose to accept the grace and forgiveness and everything else that he has offered us. What Jesus is saying is the lens that you're looking through should be the lens of God, the lens of faith, and how that relates to everything else that you do. All right, we have this game at at our house. And um, the girls don't know if I brought it, but it's kind of a fun one. It's called Googly Eyes. Has anyone played Googly Eyes? Besides my family? Yeah, you all have? So is it a favorite at the Hoald home? It has been. When they were younger, probably? Yeah. So, um, so for us, it's often when we play with the younger cousins who live in Lubbock. Um, they love it. And the purpose of the game is to wear these glasses. I'm not going to preach in these because I'll probably fall over. Right, so you wear these glasses. And the lenses in the glasses are interchangeable, and so the lenses distort. These are the hard ones, and I can't see anything. Um, Where are my glasses for real? Okay, hold on. All right, I can see again. Okay. So you put the glasses, or you're supposed to wear the glasses, and you have a team, and the lenses interchange, and so you draw a card that tells you, A, whether you wear the hard lens or the medium lens or the easy lens, and you switch them out, and then it tells you and your opposition, your opposing team, what you're supposed to draw while wearing these lenses. Now, the goal of the game is to have your teammates watch what you're drawing and guess what it is before the other team, which sounds easy, but depending on the lenses, it's much harder than you'd think. This is like trying to live in the different spheres that Jesus is talking about. Trying to live and trying to act and and live out our lives fully in these different spheres independent from all the other ones is like putting on googly eyes and trying to function in all of these different areas without allowing God to keep our eyesight clear. And so when we attempt to live differently in each sphere, we have different lenses we put in. So if you're coming to church, you put in your church lens or your school lens or your workplace lens or your social lens with your friends or your family lens or whatever it is that you try to live. And we try and we try to live and and serve or make these things our masters in the way that they dictate how we live and interact with other people without listening to the call of God and the words of Jesus where he says, you cannot serve more than one thing if you're choosing to serve God. Because isn't that what he's saying to the, the disciples and to the crowds? Is he saying you cannot serve two masters, you cannot serve God and mammon. He's saying if you're attempting to be a follower of me and attempting to uh, choose to follow God and attempting to have a greater relationship and a deeper relationship, then you can't try and do that while putting something else over your face, on your eyes that distorts your view. Because he wants us to remove every boundary so that we're living fully in response to his grace in every aspect of our life. But here's the thing, for us to do that, we cannot be sitting on the fence when it comes to Jesus. The world's attractive, 
the temptations of the world are attractive and they draw our attention. And honestly, this is that battle between good and evil and the evil one and, and God. You know, the evil one wants you to be focused on everything else. The evil one wants you to be devoted and thinking solely about what's happening in the lives of other people or the next thing that you can attain or the next thing that you can do. Because everything else that you focus on keeps you from focusing on God and keeps you from focusing on Jesus. And so we put these lenses on and we're focused on something else and then we look at God and we think, I don't know why I'm not feeling God. Friends, it's because we're putting everything else between us and God, isn't it? And so when the evil one causes us to look at our possessions, to focus on dysfunction, to focus on anything else that, that puts lenses that keep us from focusing on God, then, then the evil one's winning. And that's why Jesus is saying these words today. Because he knows the temptation that you face. He knows the temptations that surround us everywhere we go and with every, every relationship that we are part of. He knows the temptations that we have in, in putting all our focus and all our faith and material things, things that he calls treasures on earth. And like we've seen consistently throughout this sermon, his focus is to say, think about what you're looking at, think about what you're emphasizing, and then look at the condition of your heart. And ask yourself if the things that I am prioritizing are helping my heart to grow closer to God and closer to me, closer to him. See, this doesn't mean Jesus is saying you can't have nice things. It doesn't mean that Jesus is saying you have to put everything into a common pot and everyone gets an equal amount. He's not telling you to sell everything and go live in a commune in the forest. He's not telling you not to save for a rainy day or not to prepare for retirement. But what he's telling you is to check your heart. To check the condition of your heart as you look and as you evaluate on everything that God has given you. Because he wants us to look at everything and to see it and to remember it, it that God has provided it for us. And for us to realize that, that everything that we have is given to us by the Creator, not because of things that we have done, but because of what God has done. And so what he says is don't selfishly accumulate, don't... Um, don't have a heart that, that's self-centered, that's hard-hearted, that doesn't feel for others. Don't have a life that is wrapped in possessions and materialism that anchors your heart to the earth and pulls our eyes downward rather than looking upward and Godward. See, it's all about vision. And it's all about the lenses that you choose to look through. And for us to receive treasure in heaven, we have to do more than just believe. We have to seek to develop a Christ-like character. And that means increasing in faith. It means increasing in hope. It means increasing in charity and in growing in knowledge of Christ and in inviting others to Christ and accepting that you're forgiven. Because anytime we put these goggles on, we're unable to focus on God. We're unable to focus on Jesus. And we're unable to fix our eyes upon Him. And as the hymn says, we're not able to look at his face, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look at his wonderful face. And so we have to remove our googly eyes as we choose to fully serve him and as we choose to fully follow him. Because Jesus says you can't serve two masters. Your master is him. 
as we choose to stop serving the material things and instead we serve him. We must seek God's values and we must seek his kingdom as we pursue Christ. As we contribute to his work and as we serve our one master who returns the love and the devotion that we show him with a love and devotion that is immeasurable and attainable only because of him. So take off your googly eyes and pursue Christ because we can only serve one master who is him. If I can invite the ushers to come forward to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, please. And as they're coming, uh, just a reminder to those that are worshiping online with us, if you go to fumcclovis.net, uh, you can click on a secure online giving uh, link that'll take you to a giving portal where you can contribute to the stewardship ministry of First United Methodist Church in that way. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Gracious God, we give you thanks as we gather here today and for the many ways that you provide for us. We give you thanks for the blessings and for the breath of life and for all that we have. God, as we offer you these gifts, we pray that you would bless them for the work and ministry of your church and that you would help us to see and that you would remind us that all that we have comes from you. And for that, we're grateful. In your name we pray. Amen.